Welcome all you plus two comedy modifiers to the Slash Fiction World Championship. Stay Doomed is still on hiatus for the month of September, so we are bringing you the Slash Fiction World Championship, which was recorded over on Twitch on May 1st. And it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen, so I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. But just so you know, it is very adult and uh, gets a bit raunchy, so uh, not for younger ears, but I would like you to enjoy this. And also, if you're watching this on YouTube, there's a little bit of an audio delay in some shots. Sorry about that. Enjoy it anyway. So please enjoy the amateur round of the Slash Fiction World Championships. This is where contestants could write about whatever they wanted, and they sent me a video ahead of time. So please enjoy. Ah, so let's talk about the amateur round. The amateur round, they got to write about whatever they wanted. Oh, I'm getting lots of hearts in the chat. They can write about whatever they wanted, and they pre-recorded these videos here for you tonight at the Adult Fan Fiction World Championship. Up first, representing Flying W, which is not Flying V. Flying W is an airport that has an open mic. So representing Flying W, lots of applause in the chat for Rusty Wright. Hey there. Good evening. Local legend, comedian, Rusty Wright, here to read to you The Thrill of the Deal, a Pawn Stars fan fiction by me, Rusty Wright. <laughs> it was just another day in paradise for Rick Harrison as he cruised through the sexy, dirty streets of Las Vegas, the hot Nevada sun pooling sweat in the creases of his doughy folds. I hope that damn Chumley didn't burn the place down, he chuckled to himself as he pulled his sweet Buick into the parking lot of his kingdom, waddling his way to the shop. There were plenty pawn shops in Vegas, but none quite like this. After all, it was the only pawn shop to be owned by three generations of family, each more succulent than the last. And the only thing thicker than their portly forms was the sexual tension that oozed like a deep fog. Daddy's home. Rick roared to the crew, only to be greeted with a sarcastic remark from the old man. You're late, chicken shit, he snapped coyly from the comfort of his desk. A few decades younger, and the old man would have lashed out with more than words. But he was frail in his age. Rick knew this, and the old man's words meant little to him. They amounted to nothing more than the white noise of the creaky ceiling fan, or the near-constant slurp of Chum Lee constantly sucking off Big Hoss. Gazing across his domain and taking stock of the crack whores and divorcees who wandered about, Rick set his focus on business. But no antique coin or vintage bidet could compare to the feeling of sheer power that coursed through his veins whenever he was dominating a patron. His cock twitched at the mere thought of it, slapping against his moist scrotum. Um, better have Chum Lee warm me up, he groaned. But before he could even make his way to Chum Lee's sweet mouth, the grease and, let's be real, probably definitely semen-stained doors swung open to reveal a lanky figure, trembling, but excited. Um, hello? Yelped the boy. My name is Noah. I saw this place on the History Channel, and I heard you buy any valuable. Rick had seen his type before. Naive. Weak. His frail body barely able to support the weight of his glasses. We're not interested in your comic book collection, kid. Rick belched as he groped below his muffin top for the zipper of his blue jeans. Noah blushed as he approached the counter, breaking eye contact only for a few wayward gazes at Rick's mighty bulge. I'm afraid I can't part with any of my precious comics, but I do have something that you'll find of value, he stammered. Rick could smell the stink of desperation that familiar stink, 
and he knew that business came first. Besides, he'd come soon, probably in Chumley. The boy would just have to drool a little longer. So what do you have for me today, then? Well, it's kind of embarrassing, Noah said. But the economy has been really tough, and I know this sounds weird, but I was hoping I could pawn... my ass. The words echoed in Rick's ears like wedding bells, and yet again his cock thundered against his scrotum. I mean, I'm no expert, but I guess I could take a look at it, he said with a grin. Silently, the reluctant confidence of came over Noah like a first-time cam girl. He began to loosen the knot on his Captain America sweatpants. Give us a spin, the old man jeered from his desk. The young nerd could barely rotate a hundred degrees around before he felt the heat of Rick's sausage fingers on his bony hips. Do you think they might be worth anything? He whimpered. The game of cat and mouse was on. Well, there's a bit of wear and tear on it. It really depends on what you're looking to get, Rick moaned back, his breath hot and heavy like hot dog water on the back of Noah's neck. Best I can do is 60. The nerd recoiled. 60? But I was hoping to get at least 80 so I can buy some Funko Pops. 80's a bit steep for a pawn. This thing could sit on my shelf for 80 years, Rick cooed, cupping Noah's cheeks like they were freshly poured big gulps. But I guess we could ask an expert. Uh, oh, Noah replied. Would we have to travel far? Oh no, you sweet boy, Rick grinned back. We have plenty of experts right here. He leaned in for a gentle kiss, and just as his tongue slipped into Noah's mouth, the boy could feel the voluptuous frame of Big Hoss grip him from behind. His near-spherical chode pressing firmly on the soft rim of Noah's precious heirloom. Oh, shut up. I know, Pops. I don't know, Pops, he moaned. Just the tip, and I think 80's a little too steep for this one. Oh, shut up. You're all tip anyway, Rick fired back. You may have a point, though, he thought aloud in between marking his new toy with tender love bites. I'll do 80 for you, Noah, but not for a pawn. It's going to have to be a full sale. Noah could barely respond as he gasped for air, suffocating between their Tempur-Pedic-like bodies. I suppose that's fair, <clears throat> he choked as his vision dimmed. There's just one thing you should know, the old man whispered as he finally stood from his antique chair. His words punctuated by the sound of his massive belt buckle hitting the floor. In this store, you don't get owned by one of us, boy. Here at Pawn Stars, you're owned by all three generations. Noah cried one last gasp as the boys took control. And... I did a whole bit and I forgot to turn my mic on. God damn it. <laughs> it was very funny. It was very funny. I worked out because I'm not weak and then I had a bunch of pop figures. It was very funny. You guys all would have really enjoyed it. And I'm not doing it again.
But give it up for Rusty Wright. <laughs> Rusty Wright, our first contestant here in the amateur round. Uh, also, uh, real quick, uh, shout outs to Chris Wren and also uh, Sarah Polsky for donating to Flying V. Oh yeah, T's in the chat. That's how we do applause here. T's in the chat. Uh, drop that link again. Uh, please donate to Flying V. Uh, also, if you want to donate uh, to the show as well, uh, you can subscribe to our Twitch uh, which, if you don't know, it's like $5 to subscribe uh, and or $5 a month. If you want to subscribe for multiple months, you can. But if you have... Oh, I just got to subscribe. Thank you so much, Jeff JK. Uh, but also, if you have Amazon Prime, you can subscribe to one channel for free. So if you have Amazon Prime and you don't know what to do with it, go ahead and uh, throw us a subscribe. That would be great as well. Thank you guys so, so much. Uh, oh, yeah, did I say it? Yeah, yeah, Twitch Prime, Amazon Prime. Sorry, I got all confuddled. Let's get more pornography going, shall we? All right, where's my folder? Uh, our next contestant is a stand-up comedian. She has been working in the Philly area for a couple of years now. And uh, she started a new Instagram called, uh, I'm going to say it wrong because it's hard to say, Quarantine Costumes. And uh, basically, you make a suggestion, and she makes a costume of whoever you want based on what is ever in her house. She can't really go out, so she just works with what she has. And this Tuesday, she's actually doing her 100th costume, and you can watch her make it live. So be sure to check that out. I'm sure that that link is going to show up in the chat very soon. Please give it up for Jillian Markowitz. The clinic is swamped. Everyone thinks they have COVID. I am Dr. Gregory House, the best diagnostician in the country. And the only mystery anyone cares about anymore is do I have the virus? Boring. I'm doubling my Vicodin to dull the pain, not just from the chunk of muscle missing in my leg, but from not having a puzzle. I need a case. Put on a mask because even though I hide it with my George Clooney looks and famously winning personality, I actually am scared. That was a joke. I don't really look like George Clooney. He doesn't have my eyes. In the exam room, a curvy but muscled brunette sits cross-legged on the table. Something nags at me when I look at her, a deep itch in my mind. I look down at her chart, boring. Jillian Markowitz, let me guess. Uncle Shmuel put too much Manischewitz in the Haroset. Anti-Semitic doctor in the midst of a global disaster. Charming. Tell me, Dr. Mangala, what does my religion have to do with my vagina? She fired back, less boring. Says you're here for a pelvic exam and you're a comedian. You want me to check for the penis that'll actually make you funny? Ooh, I get it. Women aren't funny. No, your material's more out of date than your pants. And a shirt. I wanna make sure my IUD's in place. It's a Steve McQueen shirt. How dare she? Not out of date, classic. You're here for an IUD check? Why in God's name would you come to a clinic for a routine IUD check during a pandemic? I don't like my doctor. So you risked your life and wasted hospital resources because your OBG needs a lesson in bedside manner? Boy, did you come to the wrong place. She looks up at me and her pupils expand enough that I can see my distorted reflection in them. For a split second, I forget that I'm on the front lines of a global disaster until I catch a tiny N95 mask covering half of my face in her mirrored pupils. My inhales get shallow and I become hyper aware of my breath hot in my mask. Her skin doesn't look like it's seen sunlight in weeks. 
No way she ventured outside for an IUD check. What is this? What are you really doing here? She lays back on the exam table and her alabaster cleavage heaves in her navy sundress. The rhythm of her breath. Something. The itch is back. I don't even have to touch her. One look, the right look, will send her writhing. If I do touch her waist right above her hip, she'll moan. Why do I know that? I missed you, she says. She missed me. What is this? Why do I know that breath, that cleavage, that skin? What she wants and exactly how to give it to her. Five years ago? You don't remember? You remember everything. It's okay, we were both pretty out of it. I was at the psych hospital with you. Checked myself in after being too depressed to get out of bed for three weeks. Jillian Markowitz. You said your name was Brooke. My middle name. Don't exactly want to advertise that I'm in a psych ward while I'm trying to make it in stand-up comedy. You look, I mean, you're hot. Yeah, turns out getting your brain in order is even better than Queer Eye. Who knew? You know, I didn't even know that I missed you. Then two weeks ago, I was alone looking for info on COVID and went down this medical journal rabbit hole. I came across a case study about a nine-year-old with cancer. You treated her by freezing her essentially did an autopsy while she was still alive. It was amazing. You're amazing. That night you snuck into my room at the hospital, grabbed my hand and led me up the stairwell I had no idea existed, to that little room with the piano. I read that article and suddenly I could feel your hand again. I could remember every detail about how it felt in mine. The night nurse caught us right as you put your hand on my waist. When our mouths were so close to touching, I could feel the sharp tips of your stubble above my lip. I know it was stupid and crazy to come here now, but time's been blurry and for the past, since whenever I read that article, I, I, I could feel every cell of my body how much you wanted me on that night five years ago. That night, it, it just gets louder and louder, calling me to rewrite its ending. I walk toward the exam table and stand over her. Though half my face is covered, I give her the look I've been holding back, her lips part revealing the slight gap at the bottoms of her front teeth. I know that gap. She sits on the exam table and faces me. I slide my hands between her knees and pull them open. I see the hint of black panties and take a step closer so that our hips press against each other, one of her legs dangling off the exam table on either side of my torso. Her head tilts and her green eyes get curious. She reaches a tentative hand toward my face and starts to pull off my mask. A hand that feels raw from being scrubbed lands on my cheek and I let my face rest there. Her legs wrap around me, locking behind my back, pulling me even closer. Her left hand is still on my cheek and I trace circles over her right hand, which rests at her side. The circles start at the back of her hand until my middle finger slides over the skin of her thumb. Her eyes roll back as she exposes her palm. I lightly follow her lifeline, career line, love line and finally thread my fingers through hers. Her spine arches and the cleavage presses against my chest. I take her right arm and throw it over my shoulder as her left hand slides over my cheek to grab the right at the nape of my neck. I tilt my head and bring my face closer until my lips are grazing hers. Tell me I'm funny, she moans. No, I reply and push her shoulders down so that she's lying on the exam table. I run my hand from her cheek over her neck, sternum lightly grazing her pubic bone as I slide down to her feet. I lift her foot and kiss the arch. She goes limp. 
I know I can't hop onto that exam table with her without agony in my leg. Total mood killer. I wrap an arm around her waist and pull her upright. I hear the skid of her ass against the exam table. That was leather, she said. I didn't fart. I know, I say, and drag her off the exam table until she's standing. I turn her around so that she's leaning over the table, pull her panties down and thrust inside of her. Slower, she says. I have a spastic pelvic floor. Oh no, I can feel myself start to come after just two thrusts, but at least I know she has an IUD. I finish. She looks disappointed. I can't believe you came in me. That's so rude. If it's any consolation, it was an accident. <sighs> and a compliment. Jillian Markowitz! Third time's the charm. Jillian Markowitz, give it up for Jillian. Be sure to check out her show on Tuesday where she will make her 100th costume. She has made things from gritty to, uh, 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 I can't think of anything else she's done. I'm sorry. Uh, she was uh, Tusk. I couldn't think of the, the actor's name, but the guy from Tusk. She did the walrus from Tusk. Uh, it's an absolutely hilarious Instagram. So be sure to check that out and be sure to check out uh, her Facebook stream on Tuesday where she will be making her 100th costume. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us here at the adult fan fiction world championship. We are going to move right along. Our next contestant is one of the minds behind the too many games expo, which is still scheduled to happen in September. He is also, you may remember from Silver Mania or Rental Reviews on Cinemassacre. Please, lots of teas in the chat for Justin Silverman. Hi, I'm Justin Silverman, and this is Probing for Secrets, a Starship Troopers adult fan fiction. A ragged voice echoed, Carl, Carl, Carl! <sighs> Brigadier General Carl Jenkins woke up in a cold sweat. Damn, that same dream again, he muttered. Between labored breaths, he pulled himself up, sitting on the side of his bed. His view screen read 0300 hours, barely half a night's rest. The baby-faced blonde looked down to see his briefs stained with dream cream. He dropped his head into his hands. I don't understand... This, this is becoming unbearable. He shivered. It's been the same dream since the incident on Planet P, where a ragtag group of roughnecks dragged the brain bug out of hiding and into federal captivity. Since that victory, the brain bug had become Carl's central focus of study. Perhaps abnormally so. After disregarding his drawers, Carl staggered around in search of his uniform. A quick stroll might clear my head, he thought, as he exited his private quarters. Carl trekked through the underground facility, surrounded by sleek, tunnel-like halls, decked with impressive gadgets and instruments that no one but himself knew the use of. After a groggy plod, the general finally reached Restricted Area 6. Colonel Jenkins, sir, barked a marine twice his age. <sighs> Carl tensed at the sudden shout. Oh, oh uh, not Colonel. Uh, I mean Brigadier General, sir. Sorry, sir. Forgot about your promotion. At ease, gunnery sergeant. I sometimes forget myself. Games in theory top brass weren't usually so forgiving. Both men relaxed. Why is a man of your pay grade on security duty, Gunny? Carl mused. I sent the troops back to their barracks, sir, and uh, I'm mostly cleaning. The men celebrated a little too hard tonight. Carl chuckled. They should. All of you held strong, and capturing the brain was our biggest victory yet. He trailed off. Dazed by the prize capture behind him, behind Titanium Bar sat a genetic wonder. An intelligence so advanced, it would take decades of research. Carl truly admired it. Houlihan, right? You should go get some rest. 
Tomorrow is the Joint Fleet MI Parade, after all. But, but, but sir, I can't leave my post. Um, this annoyed Carl, his gaze still focused on the brain bug. Are you ignoring a direct order from an officer, Sergeant? Yes, no, 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 sir. But my orders were... I don't care if your orders came down from Sky Marshal to Hot Maru herself. You will fall in line, Gunnery Sergeant. Sir, I'm, I'm contacting command. To verify... Impatient, Carl sees the soldier's fumbling mind with his psychic abilities. <sighs> Dismissed. The puppet saluted and marched away towards the barracks. From ferrets to humans in less than a year, Carl's psychic abilities outpaced every mind on the planet. He longed to reconnect to the deep presence he felt on Planet P, and now he was alone with it. The most intelligent being in the galaxy, alone with the most powerful telepath. This bug, a a giant brain, a mind full of countless secrets, desires... The creature looked at the uniformed man with its eight eyes, cautiously darting back and forth, tracking his every movement. Carl reached into the cell with his leather-gloved hand. He stroked the brain's smooth, wrinkled skin. It recoiled. I am harmless and alone, he whispered into the mind of the brain. Hmm. The bug noticed Carl during the countless experiments done on it. This human's aura seemed different. Compatible? Attractive. The bug stretched out its scant pulp. This was its proboscis. It used to suck information out of the brains of soldiers, like a butterfly drinking nectar. Ah, fuck! Carl winced, unexpectedly feeling phantom pain? In an act of survival, the bug's palp had been chopped in half by a female human pilot— Even though he understood the circumstances, Carl stared at the wound sorrowfully. He instantly regretted helping reunite his friends with his abilities, wasted on those who could never understand him. It's afraid, Carl muttered weeks ago when the bug was first captured. Now the brain's emotions sharply shifted. All pretenses of artificial bigotry between the arachnid leader and the general were washed away. Carl ungloved his hand and placed it on the bug, its flesh enveloping his palm slightly. He scanned the being's mind like he did on Planet P and smiled wryly. It's horny. The being's now slippery palp extended further, caressing Carl's cheek. He froze, feeling shivers crawl up his spine. Your slime, it's starting to paralyze me. He moaned as it slithered its way down his his chest the blonde's knees buckled his uniform was torn away piece by piece by the bug's mandibles excitingly he started tearing his uniform off himself working together with the creature i chose to get captured to meet you carl carl the voice echoed in his head i understand now you've melded with me with my dreams The slimy limb curled behind his back, drawing him closer. Its mandibles lashed on each side of his buttocks and forced him towards its gaping mouth. The maw of the bug resembled a luscious sliced grapefruit. Carl's throbbing meat stick slid into the supple opening. He gasped in ecstasy. Carl slowly thrust it into the bug's mouth repeatedly. Cradled by the bug's claws, its its eight eyes watching him, writhing in pleasure. Carl and the brain bug, the brain bug and Carl. There was no difference. This was a symbiotic encounter. They were one. Carl's now completely limp body was spun around and dropped to the floor, his bottom exposed to the ceiling. Shrick! The pout plunged deeply into Carl's rear end, beginning to fill his mindless body with unworldly goo, pumping slowly, a pint. Then faster, a quart, then faster, a gallon, then faster and faster. The Carl Bug amalgamation thrashed about as it climaxed in ultimate ecstasy. Carl, Carl, Carl! A new voice cried out, Carl! Snap! A molten steel knife was plunged into Carl's skull, ripping down his spine and out his tailbone. Searing pain! Then silence. Darkness. Carl! (gasps) 
Carl slowly regained consciousness. Shaking Carl's body furiously was his childhood friend, Captain Johnny Rico. Gasp. Rapidly, his memories flooded back into his brain. Carl immediately recognized Rico. He then looked around at the scene before him. Brain bug gore was splattered across every surface of the room. His fully nude body plopped right in the middle of it. He was mentally torn apart from his insectoid entanglement. Rico placed a blanket around Carl. The brain bug took over your mind. It was, well, don't worry about it now. (laughs) It wasn't smart enough to dodge my MX-90 grenade. Glad you're okay, Carl. Carl? Carl? Would you like to know more? Next time, I'll be diving into 1992's comedy My Cousin Vinny with my story, Penal Offense. Vinny is asked to the judge's chambers to drop his suit. If you like envisioning Herman Munster spanking a handcuffed Joe Pesci, this one's for you. And remember, my story wasn't adult fan fiction. It was adult fan fact. Thank you. God damn it. I forgot my microphone again. <laughs> Thank you so much. Lots of teas in the chat to Justin Silverman. Uh, be sure to check out rental reviews on the Cinemassacre channel. Uh, so you can check out more Justin. Also, the Too Many Games Expo. Also, uh, Justin, I saw, had a highlighted comment because he used some bits in the chat, and he said, sorry. So an apology from Justin Silverman. If you want to support this channel, throwing bits in the chat definitely helps. Also, giving us a subscribe, that super helps. But uh, we're also here... uh, (laughs) for uh, Flying V Theater, and Flying V Theater will be throwing a... uh, a link in the chat where you can donate and uh, help keep the doors open for the Flying V Theater, who helped co-produce this very show. So thank you guys so much for coming. Once again, I am going to pull up our next contestant. Our next contestant represents High Note Humor. He's a Philadelphia comedian and a New Jersey comedian. Lots of teas in the chat for Paul Carson. Hello, boys and girls. I'm going to tell you the story of the 1923 World Series winning New York Yankees. <laughs> the year was 1923. It was a time when men were men, women were dames, and this mustache was still socially acceptable. Who's Hitler? Ha! The New York Yankees had just won their first World Series title against the crosstown rival, the New York Giants. <laughs> the game had been long, hard, sweaty, and veiny, and all the boys were looking forward to getting back to the locker room, showering, and finally breaking off a piece of Babe Ruth's sweet, doughy ass. That ass had the consistency of two leather couch cushions full of cream cheese. And let's just say, the boys had brought their bagels. Oh, gee whiz. (laughs) You see, the team's lust for Babe Ruth's sweet, malleable ass hadn't just cropped up overnight. No, it had started months before in the off-season. The Babe would keep his body in tip-top condition by chopping firewood for his arms and smoking health cigarettes to toughen up his lungs. You wouldn't think about it these days, but back in 1923, the babe had the ideal male body type. He was perfect. He had a barrel chest, a barrel stomach, and was shaped like a barrel, which was very attractive in those days because it was a lot more common for people to fall over Niagara Falls in a barrel, and the tighter the barrel fit to your body, the better chance you had of survival, which drove the ladies mad. It's called Darwinism. Read a book. Anyway, uh, babe was hot, and his teammates knew it. He had the posture of a lunch lady and the saggy titties to match. Hubba hubba, a wooga, boing boing, am I right? <laughs> That's why they called him the babe. They also called him the babe because he looked so gosh darn young. And let's just say 18 was just a suggestion back in those days. If you are a member of the New York Yankees, you also spent a lot of time in the minors. Statutory rape. We have fun here. Where was I? Oh yeah, after noticing the lustful way with which his teammates looked at him, the babe made them a deal. He said, I'll tell you what, fellas, if we win the World Series this year, I'll let you all go to town on my keister. The boys were overjoyed. They all started hooting and hollering, woohoo, before the babe let out a shout, whoa, Nelly. This is all on one condition. The team quieted down and exchanged nervous glances. The babe continued, the only way the team gets to go down and clap these sweet cheeks of mine is if I get to be a pitcher and a catcher. Ho-ho-ho. The boys throbbed in joyous excitement once more. And hey, said the babe with a cheeky smile, this big boy's gotta eat. The team gushed and came with excitement. 
You see, they all knew that the babe was a notorious keister feaster. This man ate more ass than a cannibalistic donkey. He sucked more butts than the worst chain smoker, and gave more rim jobs than a mechanic working overtime. They used to say that the babe looked at the world through rose-colored contact lenses, because he always had pink eye. <laughs> but I digress about the butt he digests. That's poetry right there. What I'm saying is the babe enjoyed analingus. He really did. The man dove into more scrums than a rugby captain, tossed more salads than a clumsy waiter, and plundered more booty than a pirate. Are you getting the picture? He consumed so much crack that if Nancy Reagan found out, she would kill herself. Really? A Nancy Reagan joke? It's 1923. We're gonna violate the space-time continuum, at least make it for a good joke. Sorry, I can... I can time travel. It's a whole thing. Whatever. We'll get into it later. Uh, let's see. Where was I? Anyway, fast forward to October 15th, 1923. Our boys were World Series champions. The team filed back in the locker room and started to disrobe. First, they took off their heavy wool uniforms. Then they took off their long-sleeved cotton undershirts. Next, they slid out of their full-body underwear and sidled over to the showers. Yankee Stadium had just finished being built in 1923, and the locker room was outfitted with state-of-the-art showers. However, the boys were very eco-conscious and didn't want to waste any water, so they insisted on spitting on each other instead. Boy, were they wet. <laughs> the babes started warming everyone up and giving them his signature New York Yankees. <laughs> That's a hand job. Oh, boy. After a little while, he got down on all fours and said, All right, chaps, it's go time to run a train on my caboose. <laughs> all aboard that's coming aboard. All aboard that's coming aboard. Needless to say, everyone was coming aboard with jism. The entire team formed a single-file line behind the babe and then proceeded to recklessly run through his anus like a small-town stoplight at midnight. First up came the outfielders. Whitey Witt let off, Bob Musel was on deck, and Elmer Smith was in the hole, metaphorically speaking, for now. Following Elmer Smith was Lou Gehrig, perhaps more well-known by his nickname, the Iron Horse. The fans called him the Iron Horse because of his dependability and stamina, and the fact that he had played 2,130 straight games without missing a single one. That was a Major League Baseball record until Cal Ripton broke it 60 years later. Anyway, the players called him the Iron Horse for a different reason. And it wasn't for his 2,721 career hits, 493 home runs, 340 career batting average, 1,888 runs, 1,995 RBIs, and 102 stolen bases. No, it was because he had a massive horse cock that felt like an iron beam. He clapped the babe's cheeks for hours on end, only stopping after his muscles were completely deteriorated by his untreatable ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. That's where that comes from. Finally, the deed was done. The babe's tight little keystad went from the size of a Lincoln penny to the size of a silver dollar. Holy Sacagawea! When they were done, his fart sounded like... Ominous. Very ominous. <laughs> Suddenly, an equipment manager burst in the locker room and said, Mr. Ruth, here's that lube you requested. But it was too late. The room smelled like burnt rubber, and Babe Ruth was dead. Holy moly, that's the story of the 1923 New York Yankees. So long and farewell. Hey, I remember to turn the mic on. Paul Carson, everybody. <laughs> Paul Carson was like, I'm going to do the Yankees. I was like, I don't know if sports are going to fly with my audience. But man, that was fantastic. Lots of teas for Paul Carson. I'm going to drop this in the chat. He is the host of Silly Boy Fun Time. So if you want to check out his podcast, it's sillyboy.libson.com. Also check out awesomeaudio.libson.com. That is the Flying V podcast, which helped promote this very show that you are watching. We have one more before we go into the professional round. So I'm sure the professionals are sweating it. <laughs> but uh, I'll let them know soon. Uh, the last contestant literally just sent me their video. So I have to make sure it's ready to go. Okay, uh, your final contestant here in the amateur round. We have a whole nother round after this, don't worry. But your final contestant in the amateur round is a writer for the Washington Post. She is the author of A Field Guide to S Awkward Silences. And she was also a contestant on Jeopardy. I found that out like just now. Please give it up for Alexandra Petrie. Hello, this is called Calvin and Hobbes Saw Tiger King. I'm sorry. <laughs> Calvin, 
You are an adult man, just as I am an adult tiger, Hobbs said. Nope, said Calvin. Oh, God, no, Hobbs said really quickly. Oh, God, no, 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 no. I wasn't suggesting that at all. Ha, oh, Calvin said. Ha, no way, Hobbs said. Oh, phew, Calvin said. I mean, not that you're a bad-looking tiger. Ha, oh, man, Hobbs said. Can you imagine if I had been? I mean, unless... You're a good-looking tiger, Calvin said. I wasn't implying that. You're, like, majestic and everything. Good stripes, wet nose. My nose is extremely wet, Hobbs said. Not that I would know what a good-looking tiger was supposed to look like, obviously. I mean, I'm a human man attracted to other hairless bipeds, Calvin added. Thanks, Hobbs said, and of course. Although I am, as you pointed out, of legal age, Calvin went on. Well over it, Hobbs said. There was a little pause, like a kitten would have. But obviously that couldn't be a serious suggestion. Unless... No, Calvin said at the same time. I mean, no. No, Hobbs said. I just meant like... Did you see Tiger King? I saw it, Calvin said. But really, I have no idea what you're going to suggest based off that, and I'm a little worried now. I just meant uh, it seemed like people would do some pretty wild stuff to be around tigers, Hobbs said quickly. So if you needed a wingman or whatever. Oh, aha, Calvin said. Not if you were planning to create, you know, a cult or do murder or anything. Just like if you wanted to be more impressive by association with me, Hobbs said. You could get anyone to do anything for you then, I would bet. Hobbs, Calvin said. You're talking very fast. You can calm down. I'm calm, Hobbs said, calmly. Tigers are always calm. Hobbs's tail flicked back and forth rapidly, like a snake that forgot where it had put something. You just seem a little skittish, Calvin said. I'm not a little skittish. I'm a big caddish, Hobbs said. Calvin did not laugh. It's just, he said, I mean, you couldn't really wingman because we're all cooped up. That's the reason we all watch Tiger King. Other than basking in the magnificence of an A-plus species, Hobbs supplied. As I once told Carol Baskin, Van Gogh would have sold more paintings if he had put tigers in them. You talk to Carol Baskin, Calvin said. He said it in the exact tone where the person who uses it will get mad if you suggest that they are saying something in a tone. Are you jealous? Hobbs said. It wasn't. I mean, I don't know what you think it was, but I can assure you it wasn't anything like that. You don't know what I was going to say, Calvin said. You can't see inside my head. They both darted a little glance quickly at each other. Hobbs's tail flicked back and forth rapidly and knocked over a plate. The plate fell to the floor and shattered. They both bent to pick it up at the same time and said sorry at the same time, and Hobbs got a little piece of the plate in his paw. Shit, Calvin said. Let me get some iodine. I don't need iodine, Hobbs said. I'm imaginary, aren't I? Well, you're bleeding, Calvin said. He went to the bathroom and came back with some iodine and bandages. You don't have to worry about Carol, Hobbs said in sort of a muffled way. I was just doing her a favor. He licked his chops. What kind of favor? Calvin said. Look, Hobbs said, Carol Baskin is a real person, and I don't want to say anything that could involve me in a legal battle. Besides, she's happily married now, as she has been in the past. I don't know why I said now in that sentence. Calvin rubbed iodine on the cut. Tiger people are weird, Hobbs said. What can I say? Met them all, all weird. He stretched, digging his front claws into the carpet as he did so. I tried to bite Doc Antle on the shin, he volunteered. I said, let me at him, but they didn't let me at him. It's probably for the best, Calvin said. I'm glad I'm not mixed up in that. He finished wrapping Hobbs's paw. Do you want me to kiss it and make it better? Hobbs gritted his teeth. I'd prefer it if you didn't, Calvin. Things have been weird between us, Calvin said. Yes, Hobbs said. I'd noticed. But I thought we were holding it together, Calvin said. I thought so too, Hobbs said. He made sort of a sad hacking noise, like a hairball but if the hair was located somewhere metaphorical. You weren't joking, were you? Calvin said, about how, if we wanted... What? Hobbs said. His tail flicked and broke another plate. Of course I was joking. Of course, Calvin said. Do you remember what I told you once? Hobbs asked. You told me a lot of things, Calvin said. He felt something dark and sticky enveloping him, consuming him and filling him with despair, as spinach once had. You're going to have to be more specific, Hobbs. 
You asked why we were put on this planet. And I said, we're here to devour each other alive. Yes, said Calvin, I remember that. It was snowing. You were wearing a red scarf. I was always wearing a red scarf, Hobbes said. It matched your shirt. It brought out your eyes, Calvin said. Don't, Hobbes said, we can't do this, Calvin. I thought the only limit on us was our imagination, Calvin said, and the world was a blank slate. We're both old enough to know that isn't true, Hobbes said. You know, Hobbes, Calvin whispered, I'm wearing my lucky rocket ship underpants. Calvin, Hobbes's nostrils flared like pants once did and are starting to again. Coming here was my mistake. Don't make it worse. You know, Hobbes, Calvin said, sometimes even my lucky rocket ship underpants don't help. Do you ever wish there were a machine that you could climb into and it would change you into anything, transmogrify you? One that went boink. What happened to Susie, Hobbes said. Weren't you happy? Calvin smiled a grim smile. Hobbes, he said, happiness isn't good enough for me. I want euphoria. There was a large pause, like what Hobbes had as a grown tiger. I heard a song, Calvin said, that reminded me of you. Calvin began to sing. I saw a tiger, Calvin hummed, and the tiger saw me. I'd better go, Hobbes said. I wish you wouldn't. That's why I have to, said Hobbes. He began very deliberately to disappear. His worried frown was the last thing to vanish. Calvin sat there silently waiting for him to go. He hated seeing him go and also hated watching him leave. He hated both. Then it was just Calvin and the television and Tiger King again. He listened to the last strains of I saw a tiger and sighed. He had seen a tiger and the tiger had seen him, but it couldn't be that simple. It couldn't be like the song. He had grown up. Yes, he murdered ruefully to himself, dazed but unhurt. Our hero crawls from the smoldering wreckage. The incredible spaceman Spiff survives. Uh, I'm so sorry, childhood. Alexandra Petrie apologizing to all of our childhoods. Very kind of her. That is going to do it for the amateur round. Lots of teas in the chat. Uh, let me pull up uh, the poll. What we're going to do now is I'm going to drop a poll in the chat. And you can vote on a winner. So it's coming in now. So in the chat, there is a link to a poll where you can vote for who you believe won the amateur round. Will it be Rusty Wright with Pawn Stars? Will it be Jillian Markowitz with House? Will it be Justin Silverman with Starship Troopers? Will it be Paul with the Yankees? The Yankees aren't on here? Oh my God, did I leave him out? Hold on. Hold on. Apparently, apparently there's a problem with the poll. I totally left Paul off the poll. All right. I'm making a new poll. Everybody, everybody's upset. <laughs> Let me fix it. I'll make a new poll. Sorry, everyone. Paul Carson Yankees. Create new poll. There we go. All right. I believe it should be the same link, but I will drop a new link in there right now. All right. So there's a link in the chat now that has all the contestants, which makes it easier for you to vote. So uh, once again, Rusty Wright did Pawn Stars. Uh, now I'm totally thrown off. Uh, Jillian Markowitz did House. Justin Silverman did Starship Troopers. Paul Carson did the 1920s Yankees. And Alexandra Petrie did Calvin and Hobbes, Solid Tiger King. So go ahead and vote. Take some time to do that. And while you guys are doing that, I'm going to warn our, uh, our pro round that... Their time is, is here. Uh, if you are just now joining, uh, we have five contestants that were given topics based off suggestions from the chat of fan fictions to write. And they've had the length of the first half of the show, which is roughly an hour, maybe a little bit less than that. 
And uh, now they are writing away and hopefully will be finished in time to, to present. And if they're not, they have to just do their best, which, I mean, that's fun, too. <laughs> let's, let's be real. That's fun, too. All right. Let me just go ahead and do this. Uh, also, just real quick, uh, be sure to support uh, the Flying V Theater, who helped put this all together. It was mighty nice of them to be promoting this. And we want them to stay open for a long time. But due to COVID, it's very difficult right now. So if you can donate, we're dropping a link in the chat in just a moment. Uh, not the not the voting link, a different link. And uh, you can Donate to help keep Flying V around so we can make fun shows like this. Also, they are doing the Quarantine Classic, which it takes various independent professional wrestlers and makes them face off in promo mayhem. And it's all uh, refereed by Bryce Remsford from AEW. So be sure to check that out as well. And also, you can check out uh, a past version of this very show, uh, on Awesome Audio, which drops every Wednesday. But uh, the first episode is actually a, another version of the Adult Fan Fiction World Championship. Uh, Alexandra Petrie was there. Also, Navi and Zach, who you will see a little bit later. And also, you support Navi and Zach by donating. So, that's good. All right, let me, let me do this. And we're going to take a look. Make sure I got this right. Uh-oh, I think I screwed something up. Why is this not working? All right, my Facebook is frozen. Cool. But let me get the results of the round. All right, so last last call for voting. Last call for voting. I'll throw the chat. If you want to vote, make sure you do so now. All right, voting is closed. Whoa, sorry, my computer decided to do something very strange. All right, let's see who won. The first round. The winner. Whoa. What? Oh, exit. Sorry. Like I said, Facebook froze on me, which is a huge problem. Uh, the winner of the first round. The amateur round is... It goes to Paul Carson and the Yankees. Paul Carson, congratulations. A fantastic first-round victory for Paul Carson and the Yankees. Hitting all the wrong buttons. There we go. Yay, I'm back. So the Yankees win like they normally do. So please give it up for Paul Carson, a fantastic writer. Uh, I think we might have to take him into the pro round next time. Uh, That's going to do it for the first round of the... That's going to do it for the first round of the Slash Fiction World Championship. Join us next week where the second round, where contestants had to choose something at random at the beginning of the show and wrote during round one to present something even crazier and more filthy off of the topic they have just been given. So round two comes out next week. Also, check out our new show, Conquest, which will be on Twitch on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is a game of nerd trivia and debate, and that goes up every Tuesday at 8 p.m. over on twitch.tv slash plus2comedy. Hope to see you there. Thank you for enjoying the Slash Fiction World Championships.